0: As an OD business owner, there are times in your career when you have to make life-changing business decisions. In this podcast series, I'll talk to ODs and business owners who have insight into how things really work, which can help you rethink your assumptions before making those major decisions to avoid expensive mistakes while optimizing their outcomes. This is the Think Again podcast from iThrive by GPM. I'm Scott Jens, your host, and today's episode is Are You Really a Leader of Your Practice? with guest Lynn Lawrence. Lynn is the owner of See the Light Consulting, which promises to bring your ophthalmic vision into focus and serves as, a, as an ophthalmic technician after retiring from 30 years of service in the United States Air Force. Lynn, thanks for joining us.
1: It is my pleasure, Dr. Jens, and I'm excited for this opportunity.
0: Lynn, you give such valued insights across the country. I mean, uh, doctors, people that are in staff positions really always appreciate your perspective because you're so honest. And I want to talk about how you've been speaking on the topic of leadership in eye care. And I guess I'd be curious if you give us a nameless example of incredibly poor leadership that you've seen.
1: Oh, well, OK, so. Um... I can give you, let me give you one example of a a doctor that was at a conference. He actually stopped my meeting and he he slapped the table. He said, when will I get the staff I deserve? And he was so frustrated And and my heart was going out to him, but I couldn't stop in the middle of the lecture to just address his immediate needs so I said can we talk about this afterwards and he slaps the table again says no I need to know now when will I get the staff I deserve and so I asked him I said well if you answer one question for me I will be able to answer your question he said what is that and I said who's your hiring and firing authority he said I am I said well you have the staff you deserve And he quietly said, he went quiet on me. And he came up afterwards, but this is where it gets really good. He said, I'm just so frustrated. And, you know, ODs go to school and they learn how to be amazing clinicians. And I'm going to tell you, you can be the best doctor on the planet. I, I know a doctor that he is truly an amazing clinician, but he was going broke. And um, a lot of it is just process management. He had an amazing schedule, but he didn't follow his own schedule. And so um, he didn't know what was coming into his practice or how to manage what was coming into his practice. And so he's working, seeing 40 patients a day and not making any money, couldn't figure it out. And so just slowing him down, saying, stick with the plan. (laughs) I mean, he had a good plan. He just didn't stick
0: with it. And so that was pretty much the, the, the big one for me. Well, that tells me that what you're saying is that doctors sometimes feel like they're leading, but their processes and attitudes don't demonstrate leadership?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Because uh, it's not just the plan. I'm a big Nick Saban fan, uh, although I'm a Florida Gator, I'm a big Nick Saban f- f- fan because. One of his favorite words is execution, execution, execution. <laughs> so you can have an amazing plan, except when you don't execute your plan, you you're, you're deviating from your own guidelines. And so when you start deviating, you don't know what the outcome is going to be because there's the plan has changed.
0: Let's get on to this. You received a master's degree that involved organizational leadership and. As you said, ODs can be great clinicians, sometimes also great business people, but what did you learn in your educational experiences that um, is often missed when you learn leadership by just going to work and trying to be a leader? What, what do doctors that are building their business, just kind of growing it, their experience on their own, not understand about leadership? Well, the
1: first element of uh, organizational leadership they focus on is, uh, is the people. But I want to go back a little bit further than my master's degree. Um, every level of uh, my military career required. One of the things I, I truly appreciated about the military, you couldn't stay in if you refused leadership training. That, if you turned down leadership training, that was your, you saw the exit sign show up because no one wanted you to stay in if you didn't want to have leadership training. And so one of the things I will tell you, our industry is uh, desperately needing leadership training because you're not born a leader. You might be born bossy, but you're not born a leader. (laughs) You have to be trained in leadership skills because people are not as easy to, you lead people, you manage programs. And so when you fail to understand the value of leading people, and, and trust me when I tell you, People want to be led. If you look at our country right now, people want to be led. I mean, people are looking for leaders to stand up and say, I want to follow you guy And in um, the office, it's no different. We need people that's going to say, hey, I'm the guy you want to follow. And so that's something, that's an element that ownership and leadership is two different things. I mean, ownership, um, slave owners was owners. <laughs> <laughs> and but leadership is not the same thing it's like you want people to truly want to be there uh, one of the biggest uh, problems in our industry is turnover and an uh, HR guy in, in, in Atlanta said every time we turn over an employee it costs our practice about $3,500 that's money we never get back and so Leadership is a cost effective way of keeping your practice on track financially as well, because every time you turn over an employee, you start over a process. And so it's very difficult. So when I went to school, leadership was all about people getting them to focus on the processes and making sure that they understood the process and they were trained to do the process. And so uh, my, my, my education and training, I picked that master's degree because I saw the value while I was in the military.
0: What a, what a great way to look at it, that ownership by itself isn't leadership. I really appreciate that perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's get a little more detailed. Most ODs who own an eye care business really believe in their leadership skills, but where's an example of where their leadership skills aren't as good as they think? You've given us examples of right execution, and you got to actually have a plan, and you got to lead people. But where are their skills not as good as they think?
1: Well, I think the the, the soft skills are are you know, I like ODs a lot, and and I, and I'm gonna tell you this profession. In my military career, I was in a multi medical disciplinary um, profession, so I got to see uh, professionals from different other medical fields as well. But the one that I can tell you about optometrists, they they are more of a passive uh, uh, clinician. They don't like drama. I mean, which is better, one or two, three or four? We don't like a lot of drama in this field. And that's one of the reasons I'm so passionate about the field. A good friend of mine, Sharon Carter, says you can make drama or you can make money, but you can't do both. And so <laughs> trying to delineate where we need to stop with the drama and. Um, I had an optometrist tell me one time, he said, there's so much drama in my practice land. After my last patient leaves, I kick the door closed and I wait for my last employee to leave before I come out of my office. And so, you know, these are real, these are real people telling me they are real problems. And so that's one of the reasons I'm in consultant work. I like people, I like our industry, and there is a time when they come together where they can be very profitable and, and healthy for everyone involved.
0: I wonder if an example of one of those soft skills is just their ability to interact and communicate with their staff, where they're, you know, they're great with their patients. Um, do you see that? Oh, yeah. So <laughs> that communication skill, there's a, a
1: breakdown and knowing that that patient's only going to be there 30, 45 minutes, an hour. But now I got to deal with my staff member all day long. And I don't know how many times I have to tell them, but I have to tell them over and over and over. Well, sometimes it's in the delivery. You know, I I liken our profession to the Indy 500. And the car is going around the track in a routine pattern all the time, 200 miles an hour. But every now and then we need to change a tire. You don't do it on the track. You have to pull into the pit. And training is not always our first thought. As a leader, I mean, we think, I mean, one at a practice that I worked in, we equated, we actually calculate how much money it costs to have a staff meeting. And then we broke it down to making sure that it was effective. How much time are we spending? How much time do we need? How much time are we spending? And what are we going to use that time for? It is not a gripe session. When, when, I, optometrists tell me I don't like having staff meetings. They just turn into gripe sessions. That's poor facilitation. We don't resolve problems at staff meetings. We just tell this is the problem. Okay, we're going to assign so and so to this problem. At the next meeting, we're going to figure out what we did to fix it. What was the plan to fix the problem? But trying to fix the problem at the staff meeting, that's not time that has been allotted. And so people are getting frustrated because we're never seeing change. That's the big, that's the big. Um, when they call me, in, a, a consultant is never called in when there's no problems.
0: <laughs> that's a great so, point.
1: Yeah, when they call me in, it's like, okay, we have to figure out what is the real problem? Is it that we don't have enough time or is it time management?
0: Yeah, and, That's great. Yeah, and so there's a lot to problem solving. You know, I thought I was a a good clinical leader, but I can tell you there were times I didn't bring my whole self to the clinic. And I'm wondering what advice you'd give to an OD to be more present for their team. I have to guess there are advices you give to ODs to just be more connected and present.
1: So every team should have core values and and all those values start at the top. And so I asked it's a kind of a trick question when I come into a practice. Um, they'll go, uh, okay, I said, what are your hours? And they'll go, oh, eight to five. And so I'll, I'll say, when does the first employee arrive? And they'll tell me, um, oh, it's somewhere between 7.30, 7.45. And then I'll say, when does the doctor arrive? 8.15,
0: 8.30.
1: Hmm, I said, that's interesting. I said, so the team is supposed to start off as a team, but..." we kind of spatter how we're going to actually get started for the day. What what would happen if that doctor showed up 15 minutes early, reviewed his schedule with the operations manager and said, well, I can see a problem coming up here or here here, instead of waiting for the problem to happen and then having what we call an ophthalmic heart attack. (laughs) (laughs) It's not healthy for the team to see the boss stressed out and a lot of people have a lot of pride. One of the things I really enjoy about our industry is people have so much pride in what they do. But one of the things that break that break the team down is when uh, people feel that they're being in a, inadequate. They're not meeting the boss's needs or the patient's needs or even their staff, their, their fellow staff member needs. And a lot of it is just, uh, we're not looking at the
0: plan before we go to work. Hmm. That's really good. You've you've been in a whole different bunch of types of eye care businesses. What do the businesses that are corporate, multidisciplinary uh, businesses do through leadership that could be applied to private practices?
1: Okay, so there's a big difference in in both the corporate and the private practice. The corporate is more financially driven, and they're going to weed out anything standing in the way a lot faster private practice man we can have a cancer on the staff and, oh she's been here for 20 years We might, what are we going to do without her well the question is what are we doing with it <laughs> and if we can't figure that out we'll never know what we're going to do without her because we didn't know what we were doing with her in the first place and so standards across the the, the private practice field seem to vary a lot more than they do in the corporate world the corporate world is going to eliminate all the speed bumps as fast as they can. Whereas we seem to be more desperate for, or resistant to change um, in the private practice, because I, I do understand loyalty goes two ways, but it's a business. And I think sometimes we forget it's a business. We become so family focused. We've been knowing each other for 20 years. But um, when, did, do, when do we talk about the business? Mm-hmm. And so I think that, in, in, in my opinion, um, a lot of the practices that are suffering, they forget sometimes uh, their priorities. And, and, and people are a priority, but they can't stay employed if we're not generating the revenue to keep them there. And so that's something that I, I find a difference in the corporate world versus the
0: private practice. And one other thing, even though leadership may be difficult to measure in an objective way, I'm curious how you think about whether there's a key measure or measures of leadership. What do the best business leaders look at that they maybe be able to look at through a measurement or be able to monitor?
1: So metrics is, for me, very important because uh, if you're not, if it's important, it needs to be monitored. And so Um, I think that uh, uh, one of the biggest qualities of a leader is to create a synergistic culture that balances the the money and the people in such a way that it's it's a win-win for everybody. And and sometimes, this happens in private practice as well as it does in uh, corporate, when all the focus is being put on the money, the people kind of get lost. And you'll notice that it's a higher turnover rate at those practices as well. And uh, um, another big issue is we actually hire employees, but we need professional uh, folks that's gonna stay in the industry for a lot longer. And so the, the contrast between hiring a professional, you expect them to know something, whereas an employee, you teach them And many times, and it's shameful to say in our industries, many times we teach them the bare minimum of what we need them to know and do. But we expect um, premium employees out of them after we've given them peanuts to learn from. And so um, I was a part of a summit in 2010. Industry paid $10 million for the summit to figure out hurdles to where we wanted to be in the year 2020. And so we had 10 years to kind of figure some things out. The third, number three on the list after the summit ended after 18 months, uh, the summit ended and number three on the list was staff development. And unfortunately in the year 2021, we're still having those same staff development issues that we had in 2010. And so until our industry actually picks it up and run and, and, and put um, some type of, template out there for uh, the, the, the private doctors, it's going to be really tough. Imagine only having five employees. Oh, corporate is a little bit different. They can send in help from outside, but when you're the private doctor, man, you, you have five employees, one calls out sick, 20% of your staff is gone. and Now we got this COVID thing, two calls out sick, we're 40% down, but the schedule didn't change. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's very important to understand how to value your resources and, and, and the private practice, because you have fewer resources. And so I hope that answered your question, because it's a lot to it. It's not it's not just about getting a patient in the chair, figuring out how much we average over a patient, because if you don't have a staff that can support you, you're not going to see as many patients.
0: Yeah, I mean, it does make sense, Lynn. It's this idea that we measure the outcome as opposed to how the cogs in the wheel are turning. It's Absolutely. so insightful to me that you say that the best measure is really, what have we done to advance those employees that work with us so mm-hmm. critically to care for the patient, right? It's, it's not just us shining the light in the eye and saying, wow, there may be diabetes here. We intervened at the right time. That's an outcome. We don't get there when we're 20, 40% understaffed. And we don't realize that the reason for that is that these people don't want to come to work. They feel like they're just an employee and we're leading the practice, not leading the people. I think that's the takeaway.
1: Yeah. If we create professionals in this industry, top down, when the patient walks in the door, they meet a professional. Matter of fact, there's one practice. They said they gave everybody a title and this one just blows me out of water. Director of First Impressions. That was the title for the check-in book. And the checkout was the director of last impression, lasting impressions. And so when we create a culture of professionalism from the top down, when that patient walks in and walks out, they, they, they feel they've been to Disney, man. They, they sit there and they've had a magical experience and they look forward to the next visit. And they don't normally get that in the corporate side of optometry, and it's critical in the private side. I mean, why should they come to my practice? Because we got the X factor over here. They're gonna come. They're gonna have an experience that they're not gonna get anywhere
0: else. And and that's 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 a very important part of uh, private practice. Thank you, Lynn Lawrence from See the Light Consulting, for your incredible perspective.
1: It has been my pleasure, Dr. Jens. Anytime you guys are interested, in my opinion, I, I kind of like like to give it. So,
0: <laughs> And folks, you. you can find Lynn Lawrence on the iThrive page, iThrive.net. That's it for today's Think Again podcast brought to you by iThrive from GPN. Thank you.